Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. Hey, it is June the 30th, 2020. We've made it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Halfway through the year. We're still half of the year yet to go, which right. for some of you seems like a, a daunting thought, but for the rest <laughs> of you, it should be exciting because you still have a half year. And I just had a fantastic coaching call with someone down in Charleston, South Carolina, and I know Julie's been experiencing a lot of mm-hmm. these types of calls too. Yep. Um, you know, coaching calls where people were, in essence, um, either buyers and sellers who were sort of, you know, sitting on the sidelines and, you know, just biding their time and waiting for all the stars aligned. And all of a sudden, the pandemic hits and they're now finding themselves motivated because what's happening is there's a psychological uh, counterbalance to essentially being quarantined and just all these, you know, essentially. People are, without verbalizing it, realizing that you only live once and you're dead a real long time. I mean, that is the essence of it. And so you, there was a, what was it, frugality fatigue that basically hit after 07, 08. Yes. And that was part of the reason you saw this big boom in luxury items. There's so many luxury brands that went to the next level and were created as a result of basically people saying, you know what, you only live once and you're dead a real long time. And those natural pendulum swing uh, they're predictable. And so what you're seeing now in real estate and what you're seeing now with a lot of people making decisions to, you know, go on luxury vacations and whatnot, it won't last forever, obviously, but well, it does last, make the most of it. So Julia, any interesting experiences from your coaching yeah, calls? Well, I think that, uh, you know, what might be called the great pause, you know, when we were all locked up for so long, I think it caused a lot of people, especially business owners, to be introspective and to be grateful and to do a hard reset, maybe cut some expenses, maybe look at what reality is and not just skate through and just do you know Groundhog Day every day. And now they're entering back into the market with more enthusiasm. Um, so I see that and I'm definitely cautiously optimistic, lots of great positive stories. The flip side to that also is I want everybody to be very cognizant and cautious with their pending deals. I have seen a few deals come apart because people have just recently gotten furloughed or laid off or whatever. So you really need to know your clients and your client's situation. You have to be very careful with the lenders. Second thing I've seen is coming from the mortgage people, which are all extremely slammed with um, refinances and new purchases. And we've, we've seen a little bit of complaints about them not getting back. So you need to have more than one lender in your back pocket and just really watch your pending deals. But I think by and large, it's very positive right now. Yeah, me too. So that's what we're going to share with you. We're not going to read you any of the grisly headlines, which no. you guys can find on your own, which you shouldn't be. because all oh, right, Because all of you should be practicing media free. Um, but we're not going to focus on any of that because frankly, what you, it's easy to find a headline. And then um, we're talking about some new economic report or housing data or some Mickey Mouse that says one thing. And then the next headline says the exact opposite. Sure. Because what we're dealing with right now is a lot of nobody knows what the hell's going on. And the same goes true with the coronavirus. Like people are saying it's not coming back. It's coming back. It's this, the other thing. You know, the whole thing is just a big confusing mess. That's the reason Julie and I suggest you guys stay in your own three-foot world. 
And um, yeah, you just focus on being of service to other people and taking care of yourself and taking care of your business. Just listen to our past podcasts and calm the thinking down. And the best thing that you can do is go media free. Again, listen to the past podcasts we've been doing with intensity for really the past week because we did those podcasts in response to the fact that a lot of you guys are looking for direction and you're confused which way to go. So um, based on the feedback we're getting from these podcasts, I would say we're definitely on target. So we have been talking about the fact that you have a moral obligation to be rich. You have a moral obligation to be rich. We got partly through point, uh, rather rule number four. And before I get to uh, the other sub points in rule number four, I want to remind all of you that we are doing, along the um, you know guise of motivating you guys and educating you, we are doing a very special webinar where we're going to be interviewing, I think, usually eight to 12 of our top producing agents for a little quick uh, interviews. Some of them are pre-recorded. Some of them are live. You guys get the idea. So if you want to attend that, um, each of these uh, sessions only has space, I believe, for 200 people because you guys know how those you know meeting rooms are limited. So if you want to attend, you have to uh, text the word, uh, what is it, mastermind to 31996. So if you want to attend, um, just text the word mastermind to 31996, and then you can choose, you'll schedule and choose which of the following three dates that you want to um, attend. And then, yeah, definitely attend, and I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, so... Again, text the word MASTERMIND to 31996. Now, rule number four, just be, I'll, I'll read the, you know, the rule and then we can drill down on some of the subpoints. What your heart, soul, mind, and body, and spirit search for beyond all else is freedom. And we talked a lot about that yesterday, so go back and listen to that. Um, and you, I think, will find that we are on target and you will then find the direction you're looking for. If you remember, that is really what's truly keeping you or what will truly motivate you long term. And have okay, so Julie, want to participate yeah. today since you're feeling better? <laughs> Getting there. Well, so yes. Why did most of you even get your real estate license? Freedom. I know, Tom. It's freedom. Okay, so go back and you know revisit that thought. So, have you considered how much your conscious and unconscious moments are both spent worrying about lack of money? Maybe not lack of money to pay your bills this month, but 90 days from now, six months from now, what happens if the market changes on you? Not being rich actually keeps you dependent and keeps you in that worried state. Have you ever noticed how inefficient you are when you're worried? If you never had to worry about money for any of your immediate needs or those of your family, those you care about, if you'd created so much abundance for everyone who matters most to you, think about the freedom you have to do that also for other people. And when I was reading this, Tim, I was, I was thinking about one of my favorite things that we've done. Um, this was probably a couple of years ago for Christmas is when we did the secret Santa layaway you know, people have layaway at places like Target and Walmart and, you know, inexpensive places, but they've got like $116 worth of toys laid away for their kids for Christmas. And you can go and anonymously pay that off for people so that they can have something under the Christmas I'd forgotten we'd done that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's awesome. We do a lot of pet charities and stuff like Didn't that. Didn't we pay off like $10,000 yeah. layaways? Secretly. And it secretly. just, which is great. I think that's the way to do yeah, it. Yeah. We you walked in, we walked credit. in and paid off. Oh, I remember now. This was, this was last last Christmas we lived in Texas. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was a, where, what was it? A, uh, it was Target. I think it was Target. And we only paid off the layaways. Or maybe it was Toys R Us. Oh, it was Toys R Us. I think it was Toys R Us because we wanted it to be toys. Right. And that's what was the requirement. It had to be toys and it couldn't be electronic items. It had to be for, you know, that's That's what it was. So, yeah, that's cool. Well, I mean, so that's an example of because, you know, we're in a position to be able to do that. That made me feel really good. 
we don't need to take credit for it, but there, you know, there's lots of different things. I remember one time uh, in Laguna Beach, we saved a dog that needed heart surgery that his dog parents couldn't pay for. And it was like $1,400 or something, and the dog got to live, you know? So the point is that you have freedom to make those choices and not say, well, you know, I'd really like to do that, but I can't afford it. So that's kind of boring, don't do that. The highest and truest purpose of all of us on the planet is to be of service to others. There's no greater feeling of satisfaction than the feeling of knowing that you've helped someone. So most people say that their happiest years were raising their family. Why was that? It's because they were helping them grow on an intense and daily and obvious level. This is why a lot of times when people are older, they get depressed out of being lack of needed. They don't have direction. You know, we've had coaching clients that are like that where, you know, they're trying, they're struggling in real estate, not necessarily because of a real estate reason, but because they've lost their way. Well, reeling this back into real estate, I yeah. remember very distinctly when you and I would go on listing presentations and you'd walk in, or maybe there would be an expired house and you'd go on the, you know, <laughs> meet with the seller mm-hmm. and the listing would be essentially, it looked like a little time capsule from when yeah. they were happiest. <laughs> and that's inevitably when they were yes. raising their kids. It's so like a museum from like 1968 or something. Exactly. Like that. Well, I mean, that's when we sold or real estate. whenever. Nowadays. <laughs> nowadays they, yeah, exactly. But the reality of it is, is that's when most people mm-hmm. feel the happiest is when they're actually the most stressed and the most hurried because they know they're being of service uh, to at least their children in a very intense way and their other family members in a very intense way. And because you're feeling the you know sense of being needed, um, you know, obviously in a very intense way, that does give you this overwhelming sense of satisfaction, even all the while you feel like you don't have enough time and mm-hmm. you have things pulling you in different directions. And, and if, if I might digress, it actually reminds me of when I was a little kid and we went to um, with a, you know, a class, someone sponsored me to go to Washington, D.C. with I think it was sixth or fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Do you remember those trips down yeah, to Washington, yeah. D.C.? That was awesome. Yeah, didn't we? Didn't they take a bus? Grade. Yeah, that was a cool bus Good all Lord. the way from Ohio Columbus, to Washington, Ohio. Yeah. D.C. I don't even remember the bus ride. But anyway, so I remember standing, and I think it was in the White House, and looking at all the pictures of the past presidents. Mm-hmm. And I remember the the group of kids, you know, the tour guide, they went ahead and I wasn't really paying attention because I was looking at the pictures. But what I was noticing was it would show that, you know, obviously their birth date and their death date, assuming that they're all, you know, dead, the presidents. But it would also show the term that they were president. And I remember making the connection when I was a little kid, realizing that so many of these, it was all men, had died within like, uh, you know, four or five years of when their presidency er, uh, ended. And that stayed with me. And I remember, you know, thinking about, well, why would that be? And it wasn't until years later until, you know, coaching mostly being doing gazillions of coaching calls and coming to the realization, well, it's the reason why is because they didn't, they, they weren't needed. They didn't have that sense of being needed. And oftentimes past presidents are just, you know, forgotten about and become relics of history as fast as possible. And, you know, George Bush, who was actually one of our neighbors in Texas, we used the Mm -hmm. same vet as him. Mm -hmm. You know, he became, he, he became an artist. Right. You know? Yeah. So, well, anyway. but it's that lack of purpose that people lose that right. then causes further de- degradation. And I think that the wealthier you are, the more opportunity you have to go do things that interest you and to still feel like you're contributing, even when you've raised your family and they're out of the nest. So when you're rich, you create a circum- you, you can create circumstances for yourself where you're always being of service to other people. And you can do that in all the different ways that Julie and I mentioned. You could do it just by essentially paying off a bunch of you know Christmas presents at a you know, uh, Toys R Us, or you can do something a little bit more, you know, maybe you want to start a charity, or maybe you, you want to volunteer at an existing charity. Maybe you want to spend your time 
uh, working with something that's near and dear to your heart. Because you're rich, you won't have to worry about your money anymore. We when uh, we had have had many coaching clients, and I was going to tell the story yesterday, but I'll tell it relatively quick. Um, I had a coaching client named uh, Howard. I don't remember his last name. He was in um, Hawaii, and he would he had these. And he's, I've see his, I'm connected with him on Facebook, so I see these pictures of these gorgeous friggin' what are they? Um, massive dogs. <laughs> I don't remember what they are. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. These big German dogs, not mm-hmm. German shepherds, but something like that. Big beefy looking things. And he basically has been raising these guys for so long. He's uh, known globally and he can show these dogs and he wins all these awards and prizes. And this is something he's really passionate about. And so what he does is he's basically, he's lived a relatively conservative life and he's gone and, um, you know, he saved money. He lives in, if I remember correctly, he lived in a multifamily, like a double in Hawaii, rents out the other side. But he would hire me every year to basically, you know, motivate him and hold him accountable to prospecting for a certain number of listings. And he would work with intensity for about 60 or 90 days. He'd take a bunch of listings and then he would essentially go travel the world or not work anymore. And he did that every single year. That was his lifestyle. I mean, he, he could afford to live like that where he'd work with intensity for three or four months, maybe five mm-hmm. months. And then when listing, when contracts would come in and whatnot, he had he could talk with the sellers on the phone, but he would also essentially, the inventory would sell relatively quick so it wouldn't linger. And that's how he paid all of his bills. I had other coaching clients. I We've remember- had a lot of them that take uh, December off. So they reach their goals by Thanksgiving. They get their business plan done. They take the holidays off and then they're back at it. Well, I remember another guy I had in uh, Manhattan and he was uh, working with Douglas Elliman and his goal was to essentially travel the world. And he came to me and he was talking. This guy was in his 20s and he was talking. He's probably listening right now, so he'll hmm. probably reconnect. But he, he used to have this, um, you know, he, he would come to the coaching calls and his goal was to someday take a year off. And he was a young man. I mean, if he's gonna, if you're going to take time off, that's the time to take it off, right? Not a lot of time, but he wanted to. Have, he wanted to travel all kinds of exotic places, and just he had it very clear in his head what he wanted to do. And so I made him a deal. And this is, you know, I remember he was he was emotional because he I deciphered this for him. The deal was he has to earn a certain amount of money by a certain time, and then he could take the year off. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't have a family, no kids, no pets, no nothing. And he was renting. So he could easily basically you know, take a sidestep for a year. And that's exactly what he did. And he then I had you know, got the side stream benefit of getting all of his travel pictures, which is pretty awesome. It's very awesome. But again, the point of it but is... But he earned his freedom, I think he is did. what you're trying to say. And, and But keeping in mind, he had low personal overhead. Yep. He, he had earned the money. But what we're suggesting all of you do... And point number four is going to drill down even more. You can read the you can mm-hmm. read the next point in point number four sub point. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so ask yourself what you would do with your life's energy if you no longer had to worry about money. If you no longer had that worry, you'd make better decisions. You'd make different and better decisions when you're no longer living in fear of being broke. No longer living in fear of pissing somebody off who might be able to fire you or cause you some sense of financial security. You know, we talk a lot about insecurity. Really, uh, fin- yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, We talk a lot about when you generate enough business, you don't have to tolerate. And what is it that you're not having to tolerate? You don't have to tolerate being broke. You don't have to tolerate, you know, feeling horrible if maybe a listing decides they don't want to sell anymore. If it was your only listing, you're in a lot worse shape. I remember this. I remember when we sold real estate. That's right. That's where why we know that lesson well is, you know, when you generate enough, then you don't have to tolerate a lot of those stresses. And here's the thing that I love about real estate. 
I mean, yes, a seller can fire you, but assuming that you have skill, you're not going to get yourself fired, right? It's not like being dependent on your next two week paycheck and somebody firing you and, you know, living check to check. You have freedom to make, there, there's no income cap in real estate. Nobody's saying, oh, no, 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 you're going to have to go get another degree in order for you to earn more money. Oh, you're going to have to relocate someplace to get more money. It's more you sometimes know? if you're trying to, you're talking about people with jobs and whatnot. Well, I'm talking about real estate gives you the freedom if you right. just embrace it. But not all real yeah. estate, right? If you're well, dependent on working with buyers, you're not going to ever have be that free. That is true. Well, you know, working with buyers is physical labor. Working with sellers is mental labor. And if you want to basically sure. have freedom in real estate, if you want to have freedom from being in real estate, obviously you want to you know be very prudent with your money and follow mm-hmm. our plan. But overall, the overarching thing you need to focus on is being a powerful listing agent because then you have the leverage of all those yes. other buyers agents out there trying to sell your inventory for you. So I wrote this next question down. And I thought it was very fascinating. So ask yourself if you were rich, where you were you know financially independent, where your money worked for you, you no longer had to work for your money, where you knew you had money coming in in abundance every month, right? Would you still vote the same way? Would you still live in the same place? Would you still have the same friends? Would you still have the same beliefs about, you know, essentially scarcity-minded beliefs? Isn't it interesting? So your lack of financial freedom is essentially keeping you from being, you know, so many aspects. I was going to say it's going to keep you from being free because that is the bottom line. But it's even more insidious than that. It not only keeps you from being free, but it keeps you in a state of fear. It keeps you in a fear, a state of, oh my gosh, you know, like Julie said, you're going, you're forever beholden to somebody. That's how so many of you actually Mm -hmm. feel and live. So if you did not have to feel that way anymore, what would you do with your life? So people with purpose who are financially free are focused on improving their lives as well as uh, people around them. If if it's not more money, more problems, it's more money, more time, you can, uh, you can truly make a difference. I'm going to reread that again. Actually, you want to read that again? It's not more, you know, the old, it's a cultural thing and it's in songs and what, where people say it's not, you know, it's not more money, more, more money. I'm sorry. I'm stumbling over it. People say more money, more problems. And that's bullshit. That's what I'm trying to say. I I, I just raveled it up. More money, less problems. You know why? Because you can do something about it. I just wrote a tongue twister. I'm not going to try to do that (laughs) again. That's okay. That's right. Well, but I mean, you you can drill that down to virtually anything, right? read the last bit. Uh, let's see. When you're, when you're rich and free, you are not easily manipulated. When you're not, your decisions are made by somebody. When you're not rich and free, your decisions are largely made by someone or something else creating that financial security for you. But once you're rich and free, you'll see how you're voluntarily choosing to be beholden to a system intentionally designed to oppress and manipulate you into believing the system has to exist. Or you can decide to opt out in many cases. Okay. So I mean, I, I see this on a micro level with agents getting, you know, a lot of these guys are doing the best they've ever had killer quarters, tons of pendings, right? Oh, yeah. Well, when you are making enough money, you can also pay a transaction coordinator, for example. You can hire a personal assistant. You can hire an assistant to go get your dry cleaning. You know, you can actually buy your time back. When you're not, you're, you're going to hit, I, I look at it as a speed limit of which you're doing business. Well, I mean, if you are financially free, would you even need to wear clothes anymore that required dry cleaning? Well, exactly, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Don't I'm going to turn it over to you because I've got to get to Premier Coach. Yes. And I see you have a bunch of people waiting for you. Tell them I said hello. I right. Got it. So, podcast listeners, here's the bottom line. This is uh, something, being financially free, being financially independent, is something that you can accomplish in less than, realistically, two or three years. Tomorrow, I'm going to talk about rule number five. And rule number five is accept the fact that more people 
more people you help accomplish their goals, the richer you'll become and the, and the more freedom you'll experience. Now, rule number five and rule number six, but rule number five in particular was, it was very cathartic for me personally when I deciphered that because I personally had battled a long time with this sort of misunderstanding of what it meant to be rich, what it meant to be financially free. Because in the, the way I was raised, frankly, it was built into my software that, and I didn't realize this until I got older, okay? That in order that rich people somehow were rich because they did it off the backs of poor people. And you can see it, it's a common thing in our culture. It, politicians say it actually. They say, in essence, the reason that you know uh, the big business owners and the executives make so much money is because they're underpaying everybody else. It's always a you know situation where the politicians are going to somehow you know level the playing field and somehow you know democratize or really the word is socialize the distribution of money and who gets what. Right? I mean, that whole conversation is really the root of insanity because what they're really saying is give us the power of what's going to happen with the money. Because why are they doing that? Because obviously they want the money themselves. This whole conversation about, you know, trusting some third party to have your best interest, that only appeals to you if you're not rich and free. And that's what's happening with all these, uh, you know, people that are being manipulated is they're actually being manipulated into believing that they have to actually give up their, you know, sovereign ability to make a decision or to be in charge of their own destinies to third parties, to politicians, to just doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter what side of the political, you know, path you walk. It Everyone has this overriding belief that we need somebody to save our bacon and you know, give us some sense of security. What they've been doing, and for at least my lifetime, is they've been making us feel more and more fear. And the more and more fear that we're, you know, feeling, the more willing we are to give up our freedom and guess, and also pay more taxes. And then what happens is essentially that freedom doesn't ever come back. Once they take freedom away, you know, you don't get it back, right? It's like taxes. The temporary tax always becomes a permanent tax. Have you ever noticed that? So the reality of it is, is that you have a lot to fight against, truthfully, that starts with the thoughts in your head. Uh, you know, the software that was implanted in me about money wasn't put in there with you know, the idea that it was going to hurt me. Uh, my parents and, you know, the church I went to and all the surroundings and the teachers and everybody else was re essentially reinforcing the thoughts that I carried with me until I was probably in my early 20s with regards to money. And I didn't realize, and I realize now, unfortunately, I rooted it out when I was relatively young, but I didn't realize how insidious some of those thoughts were and how they're actually preventing me, not from just earning a lot of money, but keeping a lot of money. I mean, one of the things Julie and I were doing before we actually got our acts together is we would have a tendency to earn a fair amount of money and then we would spend a fair amount of money, right? And we were doing that, why? That was a misunderstanding, it was a, an abuse of money, but it was also a scarcity mindset that we had that, oh my gosh, we have this money from this closing, we have this money from you know whatever it was, now we have to go out and spend it because God knows we might not have it for very long, so we need to go out and you know blow it on a TV or something like that. You guys understand, a lot of us follow that same pa uh, pattern of behavior, and we do it subconsciously. And these things are all based in what? Fear. And so when you slow yourself down and you actually start thinking about, you know what, maybe here's the real, this is kind of like the a way you go about having an epiphany for yourself. I am X age, right? 
and I am not rich. My money is not working for me. Uh, you know, I still have to work for my money and my path forward and my future is going to be more of the same. So I need to accept the fact that when it comes to essentially my thoughts with regards to money, they absolutely are screwing my, up my ability to ever be free. They ever, ever be rich where my money works for me and I no longer have to work for my money. You have to essentially fall on your own financial sword to admit the fact you know what the hell you're doing. That's what I had to do. That's what everyone has to do. And then when you do, when you start with the idea that you know nothing or you know very little or what you know probably isn't worth knowing with regards to uh, wealth accumulation, otherwise you would have done it already, then you open your mind up to learning because you've humbled yourself. But if all you're doing is constantly staying in this echo chamber that's reinforcing the same faulty software that 99% of us were loaded with when we were born from our, you know, all the people around us, they didn't tell us these thoughts and share with us their thinking about money consciously. Most of them did it without thinking. They just said the same things they heard their parents say that they heard their grandparents say, and it just reverberates through time. And that is exactly how, you know, that's the reason, in my opinion, one of the dominant reasons, in my opinion, so many people are so willing to basically give up their freedom is because they have never realized or been told that they could be financially free. Because once you're financially free, where your money works for you, you know what I'm going to say, right? And you no longer have to work for your money. You are It's very, very hard to manipulate you. It's very, very hard then to basically control you. It's very hard for to get you into a state of fear if you're financially free. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Can Is this making sense to you? So you have to ultimately ask yourself and ask your spouse and your family and everybody else, do we really want to be financially free or do we just want to stay in the machine for the rest of our lives? How do we actually want to have the you know next two years, three years, five years? Now, I'm seeing coaching clients who are working with, you know, upper end sellers mostly, you know, multi-million dollar transactions. That market is definitely having a mini boom right now. You're seeing a resurgence of people that are saying, I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm going to go buy that expensive house by the beach. I'm definitely, you know, realizing whether they're doing this by saying, you know, these words or not, but they realize they, are, they only live once and they're dead a real long time. They might as well go enjoy life. And there's going to be more of that. But maybe you're not in the position to financially do that. But maybe the epiphany you need to be having is that you can be free. You don't have to necessarily follow the same path the rest of your life. Now, I know some of you are saying, but Tim, I like selling real estate. I like working with people. I like this life I've got. I like, you know, okay, I appreciate that. I really do. And that's fantastic. But here's a thought for you. Why don't you just take it as a personal challenge and give yourself the option of actually becoming financially free? And again, we talk about this extensively in our book, Harris Rules, about how to build up the financial you know, situation for yourself so you can accomplish it. But for most of you listening, between five dollars and $10,000 a month would make you financially free, wouldn't it? I'm not saying you're going to be flying on first class, you know, or, you know, private jets and, you know, Ritz Carlton cruises. I'm not suggesting, you know, you're going to go be picking out your new ostrich feathered what, you know, boas for the headliner of your Rolls Royce. But what I am saying is it would be one less thing to worry about. It would be one less thing actually to have, um, you know, on your mind. I don't know if you guys remember um, the movie Forrest Gump and he was sitting, um, remember he showed the um, cover 
of the, I think it was a Time magazine that talked about Apple, you know, as an Apple computer having like gone public and, you know, earning a bunch of money. Well, so Forrest Gump was telling the, whoever was sitting next to him on the bench, his story about how Uncle or how Lieutenant Dan had invested uh, the money from, you know, Bubba Gump Shrimp into this Apple company. And now, and then Forrest Gump goes, and now I'm a gazillionaire. And then, you know, he kind of thinks about it and he goes, well, that's one less thing to think about. <laughs> right? Do you guys remember that? Because that's really, truly what it is. You're just giving yourself one less thing to think about, but it's a big thing. And then when that thing's not there anymore, or at least it's not there in such a, you know, vivid technicolor 24 hours a day, then imagine what becomes of your life. You can't, can you? Because you've been stuck on the treadmill for so long. You've been stuck in the hamster cage for so long. And again, as I talked, what, three shows ago, four, four shows ago, it's scary if you actually touch on that you know, moment of freedom, if you allow yourself to have that little epiphany of what it would feel like not to be beholden to money anymore. When you get that little spark, some of you feel this amazing feeling of, I don't know, almost enlightenment. And others of you feel this a massive wave of fear. Both of those things are basically your ego reacting but both of those things, like the fear-based reaction is just because you have this big chasm of uncertainty of what you do with your time. And so many of us wrap our sense of identity up in our jobs and our position and our possessions. And there's nothing inherently wrong with any of those things, by the way, not judging. And I know a lot of people do, you know, you shouldn't, you know, your, your character is not, hell, it absolutely is. If you have worked your whole life to basically build, um, you know, a very great reputation for being a a person of honor who provides great service for other people, of course that becomes part of your character. Of course that becomes part of who you are. Of course that's important. And so for people to say attaching yourself to things like that from a you know spiritual perspective is somehow wrong. They're wrong. They're just full of crap because they've never actually done it. But look, bottom line for the mission that you have for yourself if you choose to accept it, right? And I can almost hear the, uh, the music in the background as I said that is that you do need to seriously consider whether you want to be in this exact same position a year from now that you are now or two years from now. And if you don't do something that's going to force the new software to replace the old operating system with regards to finances, then nothing's going to change. If you had the ability to make changes, uh, you would have done it already, right? And and here's the, the beauty of it. The hard part is the accepting uh, that you can make a change. The hard part is actually the realization that you can be financially free. And once you work through all the self-denial and self-sabotage around those thoughts, then it's easier because then creating um, essentially a, a financial plan for yourself and your family and then creating a working plan to accumulate the assets, that's the easy part. The hard part is really working through all the emotions that are attached to money. Because you're going to be, you know, detaching yourself from faulty thinking that were given to you about people you love and you respect, many of which will still be alive. And you're going to have to, you know, work through the fact that your mom and your dad told you a bunch of crap about some things that they probably didn't even have a right to be talking to you about in the first place. Otherwise, guess what? They'd be rich themselves. Now, see how it puts you back in an emotional roller coaster? Because now you feel bad because you're trying to essentially do something your parents didn't do. And maybe they won't even reinforce you being uh, uh, rich and free like mine didn't. But you still have to do it. You still have to push forward. Don't allow these ebbs and flows to keep you down. 
Because on the other side of it, guys, is the highest and truest purpose of you and everyone else on this planet, which is being of service to others. And if you're less beholden to worrying about money, you can be of service to others in more profound ways. If for no other reason, you can start telling them what you did to get you where you are. And you won't be one of these faker types. You'll actually have done something. You'll have actually created financial freedom for yourself and then leave breadcrumbs for other people to follow. That's what Julie and I are trying to do. How are we doing, by the way? based on your feedback, we're doing really good. So listen, guys, we're going to get to the next point tomorrow. Thank you for all your great feedback on this topic. I think it's obvious that Julie and I like talking about this. This is the culmination. What you're hearing is the culmination of it's difficult to know for sure, but easily 100,000, maybe 150,000 different individual coaching calls because nobody comes to us with their head screwed on straight about money. And for Julie and I, we didn't have our heads screwed on straight about money. We'd worked it out for ourselves to a certain extent. But where we really became, I think, frankly, uh, where we became masters of helping other people through this was from the coaching calls. It wasn't from working on ourselves. It was from working on other people. Because as you begin to help other people move past the mooring lines that are keeping them in this common you know, state of uh, you know, being dependent, and you show them that they can be financially free, uh, you then see the, the results of that and, you, and it gets reinforced and it just gets better and better and better over time. And that's what we're trying to uh, sort of fire hose all of you guys with over these series of podcasts, but hopefully you're getting some benefit from it. Do us a favor. Please continue to share this podcast with as many different, it doesn't just have to be real estate people, but entrepreneurs as you possibly can. Um, get the word out. Help us celebrate with all of you guys, this amazing moment in history that we're in, yes, despite all the scary headwinds, and trust me, I know that there's plenty, this is also going to be one of the most miraculous times in history because of the fact that there's all these changes happening, because of the fact that there's always wonderful, beautiful, amazing things that happen during massive chi- times of change like this, or keeping it more practical and tactical, you know, the greatest fortunes in history have always been made during the greatest times of change. And like it or not, we're right on top of one of those now, and it's not going to be leveling off anytime soon. If there's anything I can be doing for you guys, text me directly at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. We'll pick up on this topic tomorrow. Have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.